Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Many times when we establish a general principle in Rashi's commentary on the Torah, we then proceed to find what seem to be contradictions to the general principle, and we must uh, reconcile different uh, comments with the general principle. In this shi'ar, I would like to do just the opposite. I would like to examine and investigate one of Rashi's most important principles, and to show just how extreme Rashi was in adhering to that principle. The principle is one that we've mentioned a number of times. Rashi says in, in Sefer Shemois, Perak Lamed Gimel, Pasuk Yud Gimel, that his, in, his goal in his commentary on the Torah is the Ashev HaMikroos Al-Sidrom, to settle, to explain the verses of the Torah, al-Sidram, according to the order in which they appear. And the question I would like to investigate in this year is, just how far does Rashi adhere to this principle? At the beginning of this week's Parsha, Parsha's Vayera, we read that Avraham Avinu, after he performed upon himself Brismila, he was visited by Shlesha Anashim, by three men. Now Rashi, on Pasuk base at the beginning of the Parsha, almost immediately assumes that these three Anashim, these people, were actually three Malachim. He says one came to inform Sarah that she would soon have a child. One came to overturn Sodom, to destroy Sodom, and one came to heal Avraham. And Rashi says, why were three Anashim necessary? Why couldn't one person give all three messages? So Rashi says, She'ein malach echot Because one malach cannot do two missions. So right away here, Rashi assumes that these Anoshim were actually angels. However, Rashi makes no comment about why they are called Anoshim. Later, however, in this same parsha, Perak Yudches, Posik Base, pardon me, Perak Yudtes, Posik Aleph, we read that Shnei Malachim came to Sodom. Two angels came to Sodom, and they came to the house of Lot, Avraham's nephew, who had some time before moved to Sodom. So here they are called Malachim. The Pasuk says, Vayavo Shnei HaMalachim Sodoma, and the two Malachim, presumably two out of the three who had visited Avraham, they came to Sodom Ba'erev in the evening. And here, Rashi comments on the change from Anoshim to Malachim. 
And he says, on the in the Dibur Hamaschil, in his comment, beginning with the word Hamalachim, Ula Halon, and previously, Kuro'om Anoshim. The Torah previously, in the narrative about Avraham, referred to them as Anoshim. So Rashi says, Kishohoisa Shechino Imahem, Krom Anoshim. When the presence, when the divine presence was with them, when they came to visit Avraham, so they were called Anoshim in comparison to the divine presence that was with them. They compared to the divine presence, they were merely like people. Or Rashi says, Dabar another explanation, Eitzel Avraham, by Avraham Shekoychei Gadol, whose strength was very great, his spiritual strength. And Malachim were common, commonly found by him, as the, as if they were people who would come often to visit him. So Kraom Anoshim. There, the Torah refers to these angels as Anoshim. They ate so light, but by Lot, who was not used to having visitations from Malachim, Kraom Malachim. There the Torah refers to them as Malachim. Before we look at the technical aspects of this Rashi, let's just explain a little bit the the Svara, the logic behind Rashi's second explanation. It's very similar to something that we find in the Gemara, Mesech de Chagiga, Dafyud Gimel, Amid Beis. The Gemara in Chagiga discusses two well-known prophecies. One is in the book of Yecheskel, right at the beginning of the Sefer. And there, Yecheskel describes at great length a vision that he had of Hashem's inner chambers. He saw Hashem's special throne, and he saw fire, and he saw great light, and he saw different... um, Different kinds of malachim that were in the sh- in the form of different animals, and how many faces they had, and how many wings they had, and he goes on and on for twenty eight psukim describing all these this whole wondrous vision. Yeshaya Hanavi, in Perak Vav of his Sefer, also tells us that he had a vision of Hashem's inner chamber. He says, I saw God sitting on a high and exalted throne, etc. And there were seraphim, there was a type of angel called seraphim that were above him, and each one had six wings. And that's about it. That's more or less the end of the description. The Gemara says in the Sechta Chagiga, in the name of Rava, Kol Really, everything that Yecheskel saw, and which he described in such great detail, Yeshaya also saw. Lama Yecheskel Daima, to what can we compare Yecheskel? The Ven Kfar. He can be compared to a person who comes from a small village, Shiro'oh and then he has an opportunity to see the king. He is so excited and so unused to this experience that he will talk about it at length. 
Ulama Yeshaya Daime, and to what can Yeshaya be compared? Leven Krach Shiroh He can be compared to a person who lives in a big city, and he has an opportunity to see the king. It's not so exciting to him. He lives near the palace. He often sees the king. So he'll say a few words about it, and that's enough. As Rashi explains in the Gemara, that Yeshaya lechash lefareshes akol. He did not bother to specify everything that he saw in God's inner chamber. Shohoya ben Malachim, because he was the son of kings, the Gadel bepalaten, and he had grown up in the palace. Uven krach aroya esamelech enu nivol. A person who lives in the big city, who sees the king, is not shocked, he is not overwhelmed. He does not wonder, oh, look, look at the garments and look at the chariot and look at the throne and look at the, look at the servants. It, he's not so impressed. He does not bother to tell much about it. Similarly, I think, is the idea here in Rashi describing the difference between Avraham and Lot. Avraham was koichai gadol. His spiritual strength was very great. He often saw malachim. So for him, seeing a malach was more or less the same as seeing a person. But for Lot, who was not accustomed to such visitations, so for him, it was a big deal. And the malach certainly appeared to be a malach. As I hinted to before, Rashi here adheres to his principle of discussing psukim and discussing problems with psukim in their order. What do I mean? Because as we mentioned, when the Pasik near the beginning of the Parsha says that Shloisha uh, Anashim came to visit Avraham, Rashi doesn't comment on it. Perhaps they were Anashim, even though Rashi answers other questions about that Pasik by mentioning that they were actually malachim. But the fact that the Torah uses the word anoshim, Rashi doesn't say anything about it. He presumably felt that, in and of itself, it's not noteworthy. It's only when he came to the later Pasuk, where those same beings, those same beings that previously were called anoshim, are now being called malachim when they come to visit Lot. Now... Rashi wakes up and says, wait a minute, why is it that by Avram they are called Anoshim and by Lot they are called Malachim? And Rashi gives his very interesting answer. What is even more interesting is that if you think about Rashi's answer, it really has more to do with the first Pasuk, with the Pasuk at the beginning of the Parsha, because Rashi answers that since Avraham was so spiritually strong, and since it was so commonplace for him to see Malachim, therefore the Torah does not call them Malachim when it's talking about Avraham Avinu, it calls them Anoshim. So the Chiddush of his comment is really about Avraham. The fact that they are called Malachim when they go to visit Lot is really not, no, not in, in and of itself not instructive at all. They're called Malachim because they're Malachim. The real Chiddush, the real novel point of Rashi's answer 
is as it re, as it as it uh, illuminates the pasuk about Avraham. And yet, Rashi passed up the opportunity to comment on it until he came to the second pasuk. Why? Because Rashi is very extreme in his insistence to explain psukim according to the order in which they come. Even if there's something interesting he can say about Pusik A, but if it is not necessary, if he is not forced into it, until he gets to Pusik B, he will not say it. We find a similar phenomenon in Sefer Bracious regarding the wives of Esav. In Parshas Toldos, we read in Perak Chav Vav Lamed Dalet, that Esav married Yehudis Bas Be'eri Hachiti, Yehudis the daughter of Be'eri the Chitite, and also Basmas Bas Eloin Hachiti, and Basmas the daughter of Eloin the Chitite. And later in the Parsha, Perak Chav Ches Pasuk Tes, we learn that he took a third wife, Machlas Bas Yishmael Achos Nevayos. Machlas, the daughter of Yishmael, the sister of Nevayos. On none of these names does Rashi offer any explanation as to why they had those names. However, near the end of Parshas Vayishlach, the Torah gives us a very lengthy genealogy of Esav and all his descendants. And it mentions his wives. First it mentions Ada Bas Eloin Hachiti, Ada, the daughter of Eloin the Chitite, not Bosmas, the daughter of Eloin Hachiti, but Ada, the daughter of Eloin Hachiti. Another wife, who apparently was not mentioned previously, Ahalivamo, Basano, Basivain Hachivi, Ahalivamo, the daughter of Ano, the daughter of Sivain, the Chivi, and a third wife, Bosmas, Bas Yishmael, Achos Nevayos. Bosmas, the daughter of Yishmael, the sister of Nevayos. Rashi, in Parshas Vayishlach, tells us that although we are presented here with three different names, but in fact, these are the same three wives that we met in Parshas Toldos. And Rashi tells us that the woman who here in Parshas Vayishlach is referred to as Ada Bas Eloin, is really the same one who was previously referred to as Bosmas Bas Eloin. And he explains why she had previously been called by the name Bosmas. Says Rashi, Venikris Bosmas al Shem Shahoisim Mekateris She was called Bosmas from the word Bisamim, fragrant spices, because she used to burn fragrant spices as incense to idolatry. So Adabas Eilin Hachiti, mentioned here in the later Pasuk in Parshas Vayishlach, is the same as uh, Bosmas Bas Eloin Hachiti. Now, Ahalivamo, the second wife mentioned in Parshas Vayishlach, Rashi says is really Yehudas. That's the same woman who was previously referred to in Parshas Toldos as Yehudas. And Rashi explains, why was she given the name Yehudas? Esav gave her a nickname. He 
gave her a new name and called her Yehudas, Weimar Shehi Koferis Ba in order to say that she denied Avedezara, that she was like a Jew, like a Yehudi, who does not accept idolatry. And he did this in order to trick his father. His father, Yitzchak, would have been very upset if he, would taken, if he had taken a girl who was an idolater. So he changed her name from Aliva to Yehudas. And then the third wife, who was mentioned in Parshas Vayishlach, Bosmas, the daughter of Yishmael, Rashi says, that's really the one who had previously been called Machlas. And why did she have the name Machlas? Because Gimel Meichlem Lehem Avonosehem, there are three people whose sins are forgiven, and one of them is Hanosei Isha, a person who gets married, a person who takes a wife, so he is embarking on a new beginning in life, and his sins are erased. His sins are forgiven. Lashen Mechila. So now, let's think for a moment. It comes out that the three names mentioned here in the later Parsha, Vayishlach, Ada, Ahaliva, and Basmas, those would appear to be their true given names. The three names by which they are mentioned in the earlier Parsha, Yehudis, Bosmas, and Machlas, each one is sort of a nickname, sort of an, an additional name, which is coming to tell us something special about that wife or something special uh, related to her. Yehudis, that she is like a Yehudi who denies of Zorah, and Bosmas, that she, uh, that she burned fragrant spices as incense to Avedezora, and Mochlas, that a, a bridegroom's sins are forgiven. So it comes out that the three explanations that Rashi gave in Parshas Vayishlach really reflect upon the names that are in the previous Parsha of Parshas Toldos. Now, Rashi is following his rule over here. When he was learning Parshas Toldos, the earlier Parsha, and he came across these three names, it didn't bother him. That's their names. It's only when he came to a later Pasuk, he came to some later Psukim in Parshas Vayishlach, and these same three women all have different names. So, here, Rashi goes al Haseder. He now takes note of the psukim in in order, in the order in which they occur and in the order in which they demand explanation, and he gives a very interesting explanation about all three names that appeared in the previous parsha, in the earlier parsha of Toldos. All of these names, Rashi's whole explanation that he gives in Parshas Vayishlach, really. It's all about the names that are in Parshas Toldos. And yet, when Rashi was learning Parshas Toldos, he insisted, I'm not going against my rule. My rule is I don't comment upon a problem in Scripture until the problem faces me, until I am encountered by the problem. When I just see that these three women had three different names, it's not a problem. That was their names. Those were their names. And he insists upon that principle, even though I'm sure he knew that in the Midrash there are some very interesting explanations of why each one of them had the name by which 
they are mentioned in Parshas Toldos, but because Rashi insists on going al-Sidram, according to the order of the verses, he mentions nothing of it until he is forced to later on in Parshas Vayishlach. One lesson that we must take away from all of this is that when Rashi does seem to contradict his own rule, when on occasion Rashi on an earlier Pasuk brings in a later Pasuk and explains it and explains the difference between the earlier and the later, when Rashi does that, we have to realize that it really is Shaloi Kedarkai, it is not according to his usual way, and we must look very carefully for some special reason why Rashi is abandoning his usual rule and is usually very strict adherence to his rule of explaining the psukim in the order in which they appear. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash Minagain Be More.